Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. Matthew chapter 5, and, uh, you know, uh, and I understand that the prosperity message has gotten, had gotten crazy for a long, long time, and it, you know, unfortunately ended up being used as a gimmick and, and all these things, but nonetheless, the devil, if, if somebody tried to give you a counterfeit bill, they wouldn't try to give you a $7 counterfeit bill. Because you can only counterfeit what's real. And so the devil saw that the prosperity message was going to open up the eyes of the church. Because it was Satan who brought the poverty message to the church. We proved over and over again over the last weeks, Jesus wasn't poor. He never didn't have, he had, he had money. He had a, he had a uh, uh, what would you go? a treasurer. You know, if all you got is a buck fifty, you really don't need a treasurer. Right? And we saw where God's word proves I give you power. That word power means I give you an anointing to gain wealth. The warning on that is not against wealth. The warning is that when you get so wealthy, you stop coming to church. You stop paying your tithes. I'm going over to this side. Y'all are are doing pretty good. You stop paying your tithes because I'll tell you, it's harder to pay tithe on $100,000 than it is on 1,000, and it's harder to pay tithe on a million dollars than it is on 100,000, but if God can trust us where we're at, he gives us the warning. Don't forget, it's me, almighty God, who gives you power to gain wealth. Amen? So, James said it so well. Tis teaches this all the time. You're blessed to be a blessing. Now, we've heard that so often that sometimes we become deaf to it. You are blessed to be a blessing. Now, the other side of that is the poverty message. Is that, well, you're not too... uh, you're not to have a savings. You're not to uh, uh, invest in a house. You're not to drive a nice car. Liar, liar, pants on fire. What does the scripture say? When you build beautiful houses and live in them. Oh, come on, guys. I, I, do you all have jet lag too? When you build beautiful houses and you live in them, when your herds increase, when when your, your vineyards increase, we're talking about end time increase, end time transfer of wealth. When Israel came out of Egypt, they left with all the silver and all the gold. When the rapture comes, those of us who have eyes to see and ears to hear, we're not going home broke. Like the song, like the song that Danton and Candy were singing. He's going to run us down with the, oh no, oh, run tis. What is it? More blessing? 
we're going to get to the point that we're, the blessing is running us down instead of us having to try to run the blessing down. When we were in Israel, we went to a city called Svat. And Svat is the, uh, uh, and I'm going to teach on this. I'm going to start a series next week on how, are we, how do we be the light in a world of darkness? You don't miss this series. I'm going to give you answers how to answer all this junk that's going on in our society today. I'm going to do a series on it. But when Jesus said, a city set on a hill, he was talking about the city of Svat. And the city of Svat is the city where great mysticism and supernatural wisdom of God's word comes from. But it's also a city that brings about prosperity. Now, the city of Svat in ancient Jewish wisdom is known, now this sounds strange until I explain it, the city of Svat is known for its holy beggars. And you see, what is a holy beggar? Well, there's a story that I read years ago, and I think I shared it in Israel. I think I shared it when we were in Svat, didn't I? And this one man, Jewish man, moved to the city of Svat because he had to do uh, business there. And he said he always saw this one beggar walking around everywhere uh, holding out a can or a, or a cup for people to give to. And he said the guy, the guy uh, just raggedy clothes and a stocking cap and, and, and just holes in his pants and his shirt and everything. And he said, every day I would see him, and I know that I'm taught that we're to give and God will give unto us. But he said, it bothered me that this guy was out there every day begging. He said, so one day I asked a friend of mine who was a rabbi, he said, what do you know about that guy? We see him walking by, and he goes, oh, that's Michael, the holy beggar. And he goes, what do you mean a holy beggar? He said, Michael goes around asking people for money, and he said whatever he gets, he gives to feed children, he gives to the synagogue, whatever. He gives that away. But the reason he goes around and asks for money, and you think about our scripture in, in the New Testament, don't worry about what you're going to wear, where you're going to sleep, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and chance to do, look for a chance to do charity. And so he says, Michael feels like God has called him to go around to people and give them a chance to do charity so that God can bless them. And he said, ah, you know, I don't know if I buy that or not. You know, he didn't say it to the rabbi, but he said, ah, I don't know if I buy that. And he said he'd see Michael. He had to live there for a year, and he'd see Michael. And he actually lived in, 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 a, in, a, in an abandoned home that had been damaged 20 years ago with the earthquake that was in Svat. And he'd go in there, and he said, I knew they had no heat in there. He had no running water. He had no, no electricity. And, you know, and he, and it, it, you know, Svat's way up high altitude, and it was cold in there. And he said, you know this guy really a holy beggar? And he said, a couple days later, I'm sitting in an outdoor cafe in Svat, and he said, I see Michael coming with his 
bright red dirty stocking cap and his holes and his socks pulled up over his pants and and he's walking by and he stops and on the other side of the cafe where I was sitting there was a man sitting there crying and Michael sees him and walks up to him puts his arm around him and says my brother why why are you crying and he said, well, he said, you know, I've, I've, I've done bad things. I walked away from God. I got into gambling and all this stuff. And he said, tomorrow they're coming to take our home because I haven't paid the taxes and everything. So my, not only me, but my wife and kids are going to be out on the street and I'm going to prison. And Michael says, well, how much do you need? And this guy said, I'm sitting there listening to this. This guy's got holes on his in his pants. And he said, I need $20,000. And Michael says, Baruch Hashem. Praise God. He says he reaches in his pocket and brings out this dirty piece of paper that is just grimy. And he goes, you know, two weeks ago, I won the lottery. And I knew I didn't need it. And so God, show me where the need is. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, where you're going to sleep. Look for a chance to do charity. Come on, guys. This is the key. Look for a chance. Don't go, oh, no, I better. And so he goes, I won the lottery. I said, God, you got to show me where I'm supposed to do my my mitzvah. And he said, it's $20,000. Cry no more. God is in charge. And he walked away. And he said, all of a sudden I realized that this man was a holy beggar because he went around giving us a chance. And the guy said to the rabbi when he told him this, he told the story and he goes, he said, what a bargain. He said, these guys don't care what you give them. He said, Michael doesn't care what you give them. You can give them the the smallest coin in Israel is worth uh, three cents. And he said, you give him three cents and he speaks a blessing over you. Think about that. His job from God is to go around giving you and I a chance to be blessed. What a way to live. Can I have an amen? Read with me in the book of Matthew chapter five, and I'm gonna be real honest with you. I, I, we got home yesterday from Brazil, um, I had, I went, I got, Tiz and I went to uh, Joni Lamb's wedding and got home last night and I'm sitting in my office working on the message and I have stacks and stacks of revelation to give you and I fell asleep at my desk. <laughs> and I told Tiz, I'm going to have to give him the simple but true form of this. But if you'll hear what I have to say, if you'll receive it, it is the key to the end time transfer of wealth. Are you ready? Matthew chapter five. You gotta put your thinking cap on today. Matthew chapter five, look at verse 13. Jesus speaking and he says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled by the foot of men. Now look at me one second. I'm going to use this scripture also in the series, You're the Light of the World. But I want you to stop, and we we know the scripture so well. And I'm going to explain this. 
But understand, Jesus is saying, this is what you are. As a Christian, as a believer in Jesus, as a child of God, this is what you are. But if you stop being that, you're not good for anything. And as a church and a ministry and as a people, when the rapture does take place, I want God to say to me and to all of us, well, not well heard, not well thought, well done. So keep that in mind when I teach you, when I teach you this today. He said, you're the salt of the earth, but if you lose its flavor, it's then good for nothing. And we as Christians, our children of God, or the church will be thrown out and people will trample on us. Now, I'm going to use that next week too, and it's powerful what I'm going to share with you, but let's move on. It says, you, you, who's he talking to? Who's he talking to? You. You're us, me, you. We are the light of the world. A city, Svat, set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And he gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light, whose light? Let your light, your light, so shine before men. Now watch this. We're we're tying this in with Pentecost and prosperity. That they may see your good works. Not hear your good words not see the cross around our neck or on our steeple, but when they see your good works, they will glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now, I want to talk to you in the next 15 minutes about, without coming up with a better phrase after three countries of jet lag, the power of two. We're talking about Pentecost and prosperity. If you remember that on Pentecost, we hold up two loaves. On Passover, we hold up one loaf as an offering to God, but it's a barley loaf. But we've gone from being with the slave mentality of letting Egypt feed us, letting Washington, D.C. feed us, to we are now understanding we are children of God, and God is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Amen? And so on Pentecost, we don't eat barley, which was given to slaves and animals. We eat wheat, which is given to the children of God, and we hold up how many loaves? Two loaves. Say two. Say two. Okay. On Shabbat, we know that we lift up two loaves. We understand that. And those two loaves represent the double portion of God's blessing in our lives. Why two loaves on Shabbat? Why two, 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 two loaves on Shavuot, on Pentecost? Those two loaves, number one, represent Ephraim and Manasseh. When we on Shabbat, we say, may our sons be like Ephraim and Manasseh. And 
You don't have to catch all of this, but I want you to catch the connection of two. May our sons be like Ephraim and Manasseh. Ephraim represented spiritual growth. Manasseh represents financial growth. When Jesus said to them, don't leave without the Holy Spirit, for that Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you. The blessing of of Passover is divine wisdom, spiritual growth, but the second loaf of Passover is divine prosperity that God brings to us through divine wisdom. What job do we get? How do we do the job better? Where do we invest our money? That all comes from divine wisdom. That's why God says, don't forget, it's me who gives you power in your hands to gain wealth. Everybody say two. Okay, we saw in the temple, and you're the temple of God, the menorah, which represents the anointing, the light, the candle represents the wisdom of God, shining on the table of showbread, which represents the financial blessing of God. So the wisdom of God, where he'll lead us, guide us, and teach us, is directly connected, directly dovetailed in with divine prosperity. All right, now, i got to say this quick. The Hebrew alphabet, does anybody know where we get the word alphabet? It comes from Hebrew. The first two letters in the Hebrew alphabet are alpha and bet. Good night, everybody. Thanks for coming. Now, like I said, you don't have to remember all this, but just remember the connection, okay? The the letter bet, the second letter in the Hebrew alphabet, bet, is a mirror image if you and I were to write the number two. The first letter in the Bible is bet, which represents two. Now, you're going to understand this in a minute, and you're going to go, oh, my gosh, Pastor Larry is not only really handsome, but he's real smart. (laughs) Well, the second part, anyway. The first letter in the Bible is not alpha, but it's bet, which mirrors the number two. Why is that important? Because when you understand biblically the two that are connected, it means you begin a new journey of great adventure. So today, you're going to begin a new journey of great adventure. Are you ready? Give me 10 more minutes, 10, 10, 15 more minutes. All right. So we know that when when, uh, Jesus said, don't worry about what you're going to eat, don't worry about where you're going to sleep, don't worry about that. That's that's what those who have no covenant say covenant. So I have, you have a covenant with God that he will give me and you power in our hands to gain wealth. Say amen. You know, amen means so be it. So we have a covenant with God, right? And so that covenant with God, the Lord says, don't worry about that. You have a covenant with God. But here's your part. Seek first the kingdom of God. And look for ways to do acts of charity and kindness. Seek God. 
God, how do you want me to change the world through acts of kindness and charity? Two things. When you understand the connection of two, your great journey of adventure begins. All right, now watch this. Picture Moses coming down off of Mount Sinai. How many commandments? Boy, if we don't go this, we're going to have to start all over. How many commandments did God give Moses? Ten, right? In the Ten Commandments, how many tablets were the Ten Commandments written on? Why? Why would God do that? Here's Moses. He's an old man. That's our tablets? Seriously, JP. I gave you two weeks. That's what you come up with? Moses, the Ten Commandments, Charlton Heston, the robe. So why did God give Moses, why did God give Moses the Ten Commandments on two tablets and not on one? Wouldn't it, Moses is an old man. Wouldn't it be easy? He's got them all in one tablet and he's walking down. He can hold on to the rocks while he's walking down. Wouldn't it have been easier to put them on one tablet instead of two? Do you know that in the Bible, the Word of God only mentions the Ten Commandments twice, but it mentions the, the two tablets over 30 times? Now, in, in, in Dallas, we call that a clue. Why two commandments? Because they mirror each other. When they came to Jesus and they said, what's the greatest of all the commandments? Jesus thought of the first tablet, and he said, love God with all your heart. But the second tablet, too, mirrors the first tablet. This one is equal to loving God. Think about this. Jesus said this one is equal to loving God. Love your neighbor on these two all the Bible is fulfilled. Now stop and think about this. Loving God and loving you, I'm fulfilling all the Bible. These two mirror each other. That's why it's only called the Ten Commandments twice. And matter of fact, and I'm gonna really upset some religious people here. In Hebrew, they're not even called commandments. They're called pronouncements, or they're called the ways to live your life. So if you want to live in the fullness of God, number one, you got to love God, but the other one is you got to love your neighbor. These two mirror each other. And if I say I love God, but I don't care if, you're, if, you, if, uh, if you come to me and I say, you know what, be clothed, be warm, be fed, be gone. I'm saying I love God, but I'm not loving you. The truth is not in me. We have to love each other. As a matter of fact, God's ancient Jewish wisdom said, God said, I would rather you love each other than love me. But the more we fall in love with him, the more we mirror that image of loving our neighbor. Say two. Jesus says in the scripture we just read, he said, you're the salt of the earth. 
We all know that. We're the salt of the earth. We're the light of the world. Why did Jesus jump from salt to light? Why did he say that? This is where understanding covenant comes in. First of all, in Hebrew, salt represents money and charity. If you remember during the times of Jesus and even in before Jesus, many times they would pay uh, people in salt because salt was extremely valuable. You, you, it preserved, it kept alive, it gave flavor. And so salt in Hebrew represents money, but at the same time, it represents charity. But then Jesus jumps down and says, you're the salt of the earth, but then he says, you're the light of the world. That word light in Hebrew means an anointing of divine wisdom. So he's saying something very powerful. If you remember when we talked about Hanukkah, on Hanukkah you light the lights, but then you give your children, you look at your children and say, how much light, how much wisdom of God have they absorbed? Well, how do you judge how much wisdom of God they've absorbed? By how much light they are back to others. And so you raise your children up in the ways they should go. And so you look at your children and they understand not everybody gets everything equal because it's not just saying I love God, but how much light they absorbed is directly connected to how much kindness they showed other people. Say salt, say light. All right, now I'm going to take you another. Ready? In Judaism, salt and light represents the entire Torah. This is what Jesus is saying. Love God, love your neighbor. Salt and light. Jesus was not a Roman Catholic. Jesus wasn't a Baptist. Jesus definitely wasn't a Presbyterian. Jesus was a Jew. And so when he's saying to them, you're the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world, they understand exactly what that means, that if you stop being the salt, if you stop being the light, we're useless. If I'm not, if I'm not absorbing light and being a blessing to others, if I'm not doing acts of kindness, I can pray God bless me, but if I'm not being a blessing like James and Rita so marvelously shared this morning, I'm, not, I'm useless. So when Jesus said, you're the light of the world, they're Jews. They knew, they knew exactly what God was talking about when he said, you're the light of the world, you're the salt of the earth. Love your neighbor as you love yourself, right? So let me take you, how much time do I have? Let me, can I give you one more? Lot's Lot and his wife. Lot and his wife lived in what two cities? Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom was known throughout the world. I think it's in uh, Genesis 19. Sodom was known throughout the world of being cruel to strangers. As a matter of fact, in if you, if you study the history, it was in their code of law 
that said, if you are a citizen of Sodom, you cannot welcome with kindness strangers. Their code of law. So we know the story of Lot's wife, JP, Lot's wife being turned any moment now. There we go, there we go. Lot's wife being turned into a pillar of salt. Now, this is actually a pillar of salt. It's over the Dead Sea. We don't know if that's actually Sodom and Gomorrah, but it's a great example. Why was Lot's wife turned into a pillar of salt? Now, remember, the covenant that we have in Hebrew is called a salt covenant. It's a salt covenant that God will take care of us. He will bless us as long as we are being the light. How much light have we absorbed? It, it depends, it, it shows on how much light we are to the world. Not just, I'm going to let my light shine, or however that song goes. This is a light of mine. But by actually being a blessing. So the angels come to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Lot recognizes them, brings them in his home, and says, we're going to have covenant. And part of the covenant is you take the bread and you dip it in the salt three times. Why three times? Because the numerical value of salt divided by three equals the name of God, right? That's why on, on Shabbat, you dip yourself three times because you're remembering it's God who gave me power to gain wealth. Don't ever forget that. Let me throw this in, it just popped into my spirit. You and I don't own anything. We're just stewards. Amen? And if we treat it like we own it, when God says, I, I want you to do this, I want you to be a blessing in this, and we go, no. He'll take what you have and give it to somebody else. Right? So the angels show up at Sodom, and Sodom is known, it's in their code of law, to be cruel to strangers, to be cruel to those who are in need. It's their code of law. So the angels come in. Lot has his wife prepare dinner, and he says, bring me the salt. Salt is representative of covenant. That's why we dip the salt. That's why when we do it, we have salt on the altar for Passover. But Lot's wife was a pagan, and she hated the teachings of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So she would not keep salt in the house. So when Sodom or when Lot said, I, I, get me some salt, if you read what it says in the scripture, she said, I will, I will not be part of this evil covenant. Evil covenant. And so we know the story that Lot's wife left the house and she goes knocking on the neighbor's door saying to these pagans, my husband wants salt. And what she's doing is telling the neighbors who are also pagans, my husband is about to bless strangers with the covenant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so what are, what are the re results of that? Is the neighbors come out. She's not looking for salt. She's gathering a lynch mob. 
And so the neighbors come out and they come to Lot's house demanding to destroy them. And by the mercy of God, God gets Lot and his family out because that's what he promised Abraham. But the angels say to Lot and his wife, don't look back. Don't, Don't look back and long to be of a society that doesn't care about unborn babies Don't be a part of a society that wants to neuter your children in school. Don't be part of an uncaring, cruel society. But what does Lot's wife do? Instead of keeping her eyes on the God that her husband and family worship, she looks back and to make an example of those who don't care about others, he turns her into a pillar of salt. This is the teaching of Pentecost, prosperity, of the power of two. When you take the bread on Shabbat, or every time you eat, and you dip it in the salt, and you dip it three times, the Hebrew numerical value of bread is 78. That's the, and, and I know it's confusing, but every letter in the Bible has a mystery to it. It has a secret to it. And it's kind of fun to learn it, isn't it? It's kind of fun to understand. Wow, I, I don't understand it, but I receive it. So you dip it three times. Why? Because when you dip it three times, take 78 divided by three, you come up with what? 26. What is 26? It's the numerical value of Yahweh. You know, in most of our Bible, when we say it says God or the Lord or whatever, it's actually the Hebrew word Yahweh. And Yahweh, nobody really knows how to pronounce Yahweh because in the Hebrew alphabet, there are no vowels. And so in Judaism, it says it's not really a name as it is a sound. And in ancient Jewish wisdom says, how do you say the sound that's the name of God? And you take your mouth and you open it slightly and don't move your tongue. Try this with me. Take, take, open your mouth slightly. Don't move your tongue. And say half the word breathing in and half the word breathing out. Let me show you. And let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Why are we here? Why are we here? It's to praise the Lord, but not just in music and song and that's and lifting and that's all wonderful. But when they when we realize we're the salt of the earth, we are the light of the world. Everywhere we go, every breath we take, we are giving God all the praise and all the glory because we're blessed to be a blessing. Amen. Would you stand with me all over the building? Let me close with this. Did I do okay? Did I do okay? It's like, what day is it? What time are we meeting in the hotel lobby? 
we were on our way to, I, I, I can't remember, one of the, one of the meetings that we're at in, in Brazil. And Sao Paulo, the city of Sao Paulo is massive. I mean, traffic, cars are, but amazingly clean and pristine. It's a beautiful city. I, I, the, the people are beyond beautiful, but the city is, I, 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 I said it over and over again. I think the people in my car were tired of hearing it. Look how clean it is. Look how clean it is. But there were some sections, just like anywhere else, that the drug addicts lived and stuff. And we were driving through one of the sections where, and I, and I said, are these people homeless? And, and our guy said, well, they're, they're drug addicts, crack addicts. And on the street, in the middle of the crack addicts, I saw Jesus. I saw him. We were stopped at a light, and I, Katie was in the back with me, and Pastor Scott was in the front. And I said, look at this. And on the street, I mean, the traffic's coming right here. There was a mom and dad, crack addicts, laying with cardboard on them. They had a, a string around maybe a two-year-old, three-year-old. And I mean, traffic zipping by and this little two or three-year-old is with a rock scratching on a tree. And we're stopped at the light. I mean, this is the poor of the poor of the poor. And this little ragtag holy beggar, probably about six, seven years old, ragtag. Had one flip-flop on and not another one. And he's selling a box of pieces of gum. Probably six or seven years old. He probably makes three or four cents a day if he sells them all. And we're stopping at that street light. And we've, we've seen millions of people marching for Jesus, Israel, with concert. And this little six-year-old boy, this holy beggar, walks by mom and dad crack addicts cardboard on top of with a string tied around their kids so it doesn't step off into the traffic stops and sees this little baby he opens up he didn't, he didn't know anybody saw him opens up his little thing of candies and he gives this child a candy and I said I've seen Jesus I don't know if this kid has ever been in church I don't know if he's ever held the Bible. I don't know anything about him. But amidst the crack addicts of Sao Paulo, I saw Jesus. I saw Jesus. For God so loved the world, he gave. What's the greatest of all the commandments? Love God and love your neighbor. The word love in Hebrew is ahava. It means to give. Give your life to the Lord. Give your heart to the Lord. Give your service to the Lord. Give your volunteer to the Lord. Give your time to the Lord. Give your prayers to the Lord. But then love your neighbor. One of the greatest things I can teach you is when you get up every morning to say, Lord, I praise you for today. We enter into all that he has with praise. I thank you for today. Now, Lord, you're going to change the world. Today, you're going to change the world. Please tell me what my part is. Tell me what I'm to do. 
because we are never more like God than we give to change someone's life. Can I have an amen? Would you give the Lord a clap offering? I don't ever in my heart want to turn into a pillar of salt. I don't ever want to go back to saying all I care about is me. I don't ever want to do that. That's what the world's doing. We're going to talk about this and being the light of the world and the end time of what Second Peter said, First Peter said, would happen in the end times, and it's right before us. But you know something? You can change the world. That world may be to start a piece of gum to a baby on the street. But when you do one good deed, God says it's like a pebble in the in the lake, and the ripples begin to take place. Had I thought about it, had I, had I thought about it and the life didn't change, I would have jumped out of that car, asked that baby, how much for all this candy? And I'd have given it a hundred times what that candy was worth. Because in that six-year-old holy beggar, I saw Jesus. May, wherever we go, may people see Jesus in our lives. Amen. I'd like to have every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around just for a moment. Pastor, stay with me on this. I'm not going to call you forward, but maybe you're here right now and you say, Pastor Larry, you know what? I want to ask Jesus into my heart. I want to dedicate my life to the Lord. And I'm not saying just do it again this week, but if you've never been born again or if you've actually backslidden and fallen away from God, you say, Pastor, would you remember me in prayer? It's time for me to get out of the darkness and stand as the light. Would you lift your hand up all over this building and just hold it there for a moment and just keep it there. I want us to go through the whole church. I see that hand, 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 that hand. I see that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand. I see that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand. God bless you. I see that hand, God bless you. I see that hand, God bless you. Anyone else? Lift it up real high. Wave it at me so I can see it. I see that hand. God bless you. Amen. Take your neighbor's hands across the building. Open your eyes up. Let's say this out loud together as a family. We're white. We're black. We're brown. We're, we're male. We're female. We're old. We're young. We're long hair. We're skin hair. And we are the family of God. Say it out loud. Lift your neighbor's hand up. Say it out loud. Father. I come before you right now in the name of Jesus. I know I've sinned. We've all sinned. But I know this. You love me so much. You sent Jesus Christ to pay the price in full for all my sin. Right now, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Now say this with authority, Satan, get out of my life, get out of my mind, get out of my spirit, get out of my body, get out of my home, get out of my family, get out of my finances, get out of my future. I declare every curse is broken, every blessing is released. Not someday, 
but today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you receive that, give the Lord a great big clap offering. I'm asking the, the, the boss of the church to give me direction. You don't need me to do this, but I felt very strong when we were in Israel that on this day, if you want, you don't need me to do this. You, it, it, it comes from, but if you would like me to anoint you for end time divine prosperity, we're gonna, we're gonna anoint you with oil and lay hands. If not, be blessed. Be, if you want it, if you want, would like this, then I'm gonna have you come and line up across. I'm gonna come down and anoint your hands with oil from Jerusalem. But no matter what, like I said, you don't need me, we have him. And it is him who gives us power in our hands to gain wealth. Amen. God bless. Give the Lord a clap over one more time. Let's sing one song as they're coming up. Amen.